Does Guy look familiar to you? How many have gone to uh, Lake Ann Camp in the past and got a number of folks here that have been a part of that ministry? Ken, you have uh, spoken at Lake Ann for how many years? Uh, this is my 32nd summer. Isn't that incredible? That is absolutely incredible. <clears throat> I started speaking when I was five. I mean, five. <clears throat> that's, that's just great. You look really good. You're the best-looking 37-year-old I've ever seen, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God's used him at Lake Ann. Uh, I met him when I was at Baptist Bible College in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. God has used yeah. you in Germany. God has used you in many other countries. In just about every state in our nation, God has even used you here in northern Michigan, of Amen. all places. Amen. God has used you at East Bay Calvary Church. You have been speaking here on and off for 20 years. And our church has a special relationship with you. Amen. I have a special relationship yes, with you. Do. I absolutely, he is my favorite speaker in all the world. Oh, really? Really. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Oh, thanks. So uh, just bless us, brother. Amen. Look forward to everything Amen. you're going to bring. Yeah. Enjoy. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. Well, it is uh, wonderful to be back here with you here at East Bay Calvary. And uh, man, I just love this new building. I remember the old one. And uh, so this is quite a gift from the Lord. Amen. And uh, I hope you'll realize that a building is not a temple. It's a tool. Amen. So when you see kids putting uh sticky fingers on the walls, you know, don't go ape, and, and uh, just realize this is a tool to reach them, so uh, use that tool. Well, this morning I really, uh, as I woke up, I, I've been preparing all week to speak another message, but the Lord really laid this one on my heart, and uh, by the way, when I say things like this that I change my message, it doesn't mean like I just got it out of the air, okay? I have studied this many, you know, times before I prepared this. So that's what I mean by changing it. When I was young and pastors like, God told me to preach a different message, I'm like, oh, he just got it out of, you know, thin air. And that's not the way it is. But this was heavy on my heart this morning, and, and uh, I felt very excited to preach it to you. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 5, if you would. Mark chapter 5. And as you're turning, I would just just love to ask you if you would pray uh, for me, not only in this message, but uh, as I speak to young people in, at Lake Ann Camp. I have two more weeks left, and uh, I'll tell you, my heart's burden is to reach this generation for Jesus Christ. Not just in salvation, which is the, the most important, but that which continues on, the sanctification process afterwards, that they might have a great faith to do great things for God and and also for calling many that would go into full-time ministry um, if there's something I'm noticing happening is that there's not a young people feeling the call to ministry earlier in their lives I don't know if that's a cultural thing you know we like to uh, beat up the Millennials you know like they're lazy and they're weird and they're all into their social media and but I'll tell you what, we need them to hear the call of God in their lives, amen? And to, to take the gospel to all the world and, and hopefully not wait till they're 30 years old. 
Uh, God called me when I was 16 years old. And uh, by the way, he called me through a really bad message. The preacher was really boring, and I remember I just I, I looked at the, the rug, and you know, sitting in the pew, I looked down, and I'm like, man, I could preach better than that. And the Holy Spirit said, that's what I want you to do. So, you know, God can call in many different ways, and I hope the call to these young people won't be that way through my preaching. But anyways, um, just pray for us that you know, we could reach the world for Jesus Christ. And... Um, Because I love Romans 5, where it says, Through one man, many were condemned. You know, Adam, he messed up the whole thing. But through the one man, Jesus Christ, many shall be made righteous. I still believe there's many yet to be saved. Many. And many here in Traverse City, Michigan. Amen? And God wants to use you. You know, it, you, know you should have the same heart of an evangelist. You know, when Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He's like, you're a pastor, but man, you, you need to have a worldwide vision to reach everyone in the world. And I hope you have the heart of an evangelist here at East Bay Calvary and that God would use you. So one of the things that really has touched my heart is this passage in Mark chapter 5 about the woman with the issue of blood. And... Um, it's, it's one of those passages that it's kind of a, a chiasm. If you, it starts out telling a story about Jairus and his daughter who is very sick. They're, I believe they're here in Capernaum. And uh, so Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, which means he would, uh, he would be well known in, in that city. Uh, I just finished a trip to uh, Israel just a couple months ago and got to be in Capernaum. And it's a very small little village. You know, sometimes we think of, you know, that uh, these were big villages, but they were very small and uh, weren't that extensive in their population. And so everybody would have known Jairus being the leader of the synagogue. But, well, let's read the passage, and then I'll, I'll comment on that. Verse 21, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well, be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him. Immediately he turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. 
But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, what you see in this passage is that there's the story of Jairus on one end and the, st uh, the story of Jairus on the other, and the Jairus and his daughter, and Jairus and his daughter. And we get filled in in the fact that Jairus, who had a daughter, and she was 12 years old. Now, in Hebrew, a lot of times, and of course Mark was a Jew who wrote this. This is Peter's perspective of this. Mark wrote for the perspective of Peter the Apostle. So they were both Jews, and one of the, the, the ways that Jews would write stories was sometimes to really focus on what's important was what we call a chiasm. And so you have something that is mirrors from the outside to the inside until you get to the, the real story. And as you read some of the information here, it becomes you know, apparent to us that Jesus, or this passage here, is a chiasm pointing to this story of the woman with the issue of blood. This is the real important part. Even though Jesus does a miracle and raises this little girl from the dead. But you have Jairus and his daughter, Jairus and his daughter, and she's 12 years old, and it points to the inside where you have a woman with the issue of blood for how many years? 12 years. The daughter was 12 years old. That's very significant because you're reflecting from the outside in. And there's another thing. It's talking about Jairus' daughter. When Jesus heals this uh, woman with the issue of blood, when he turns to her and he finds out who it is, what does he say to her? Daughter! Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And so Jesus is really, has this story kind of parenthesized in the middle, pointing to this woman with the issue of blood. Now, the thing is, you also have a, a situation where Jairus, a father, is very concerned about his daughter, whereas this woman with the issue of blood, she's probably a very lonely person. You have the crowd that's like, Jairus, let's go with you. Come on, everybody. We're going to Jairus' house, the ruler of the synagogue, an important man for his sweet little daughter. Let's go. And this crowd is, you know, thronging down the street. They're going to go watch this miracle. Jesus is here. 
and we're going to rescue her. And what a tender, tender moment. Oh, this poor little daughter of this, this uh, ruler of the, the, the synagogue. Oh, you know, he, he probably loves her so much. And then you have this woman who's all alone in the house. Why? Because under the law, if you had an issue of blood, if you had a discharge of blood, you, you had to wait a certain amount of time, you know, before you were, uh, when the blood would stop flowing, then you had to wait a certain amount of time before you were declared clean. You had to go through ceremonial washing, and you had to wait a certain amount of time. And if anybody touched this person who was considered, according to the law, unclean because of the flow of blood, uh, you had to wait 24 hours and, t and take a bath and wash a ceremonial cleansing. And so this woman has had this discharge of blood for 12 years. We don't know exactly what kind of ailment it was, but there was a flow, a discharge of blood for 12 years. And so, listen, Jairus would have known of this woman. She could not have been in the synagogue for 12 years. I'm sure that she might have had a couple friends that might come once in a while, but then they'd have to go through the ceremonial washing to be declared clean again. And so she was considered unclean for 12 years, probably had very few friends, probably did not have a husband, probably, and we know it says that she had she tried so many doctors to heal her from her, and, and nothing worked. And she tried again and tried again and tried again until... All of her wealth was gone. She had spent everything and did not get better, but only grew worse. Do you know some doctors like that? You know, I mean, I tell you, sometimes you go, doctor, I got this. Like, well, take this pill. We'll see. It, it doesn't help, you know. She'd gone through this, spent everything. Can I tell you what? She's lonely. She's poor. Uh, when I think even about the fact that back in those days, they didn't have disposable, like, tissues or things to mop up the, the blood and, and, you know, so they could throw it away. And there, were, there, were, there was no running water, that kind of stuff to clean. And can you imagine the, the, just the, the consternation, the, the pain, the emotional pain of this woman, how to take care of this for 12 years, ostracized, lonely. But I'll tell you what, something happens in the heart of this woman. I mean, she was at the end of her rope. And you know what? Some of you are at the end of your rope right now. I don't know many of your lives. I, I hardly know many of you at all. But I'll tell you what, some of you have been trying for years different things, and you're at the end of your rope. This woman is like, I, I, you know what? I need to get to Jesus. But she couldn't. She couldn't because there was a crowd around him. He, he was surrounded by all these people, especially the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. And if she steps out to get to Jesus, he's going to be, you get out of here. You're unclean. You cannot be in the crowd. Get back in your house until you're made clean again. Well, she, 12 years without being clean and no hope of being clean, having fellowship. But something happens inside of her. It's faith. Because Jesus said at the end when she was healed, he goes, Daughter, your faith has healed you. And, and as I read this passage, I don't know, do you ever read something you're like, something very special happened here? And I think this is one of the most special passages in all of the Bible, especially the Gospels, because when this woman, by faith, 
it says, now she comes up behind him. I, I think she had to kind of like, she probably came out of her house in the crowd, and there's Jesus. She's like, I better not, I can't stand in front of them, or they'll be like, get out of here. I think she's hiding behind a, a door or something or in a corner of a, a house and waiting for the crowd to go by. And then she darts out there, and she makes her way through, and she touches the hem of the garment, of Jesus' garment, and she's made whole. But what does it say? That she drew power out of Jesus. That he it said he sensed that power was drawn from him. And he goes, whoa, stop. Who touched me? Man, does that, does that do something for you? Like, what kind of faith did this woman have to turn the head of Jesus and say, who touched me? Somebody drew power out of me. I don't know about you. I want to be that kind of person. Amen? I want to be the kind of person in my ministry, in my life, that I'm so close to Jesus. I have such a great faith that I can draw power out of Jesus to minister to a broken world. And I'll tell you what, Traverse City is a broken world. And if you don't know it, just drive around the streets and look at some of the stuff that's displayed as, as, as a sense of pride, glorying in our shame, as the Bible says there. We, some, some people, they glory in their shame. I'll tell you what, our society is broken. Our society, we've spent everything we could and we've not gotten better. We only get worse. Man, I know some Christians, that the, the things that used to be naturally known as righteous, that, that we, now, we now take it and, and say, uh, let's turn it around. And, and uh, I, I can't even mention all the crazy. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's in our churches. It's in our culture. And I'll tell you what, we're broken, and, and we need to be the kind of church, the kind of gathering of a congregation that can draw power from Jesus so that he will turn and say, hey, your faith has healed Traverse City. Your faith has healed your life. Your faith has healed your family. Oh, I'll tell you what, this lady had been living in agony for 12 years. So I want to ask ourselves, what kind of faith is it that draws power out of Jesus? If you're taking notes, that's kind of a, what kind of faith is it that draws power out of Jesus? And this is the kind of faith I want to pray for. There's been times I've read this passage and I've gotten on my knees and just wept because I said, God, I want this. I want this kind of faith like this lady had. Would you help me, Lord, to discover it? What kind of faith will enable us to draw power from Jesus? so that we can reach the world. Well, number one, it's the kind of faith that is hammered out in private, private pain. It's the kind of faith that's hammered out through private pain. I'll tell you what, some of you are so lonely. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's been the, your trials and things that have isolated you. But you know what? I think Jesus does this many times. He lets us live lives that that become isolated because we're, we're like, I want community. I need community. When Jesus, way back in the beginning of time when God said he made Adam, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. Listen, he wasn't just talking about marriage. He's talking about community. Human beings, we are communal creatures. We need one another. And this woman had been isolated. And, and by the law, and by all the, the, the stringent uh, decrees of the law, she could not be with people. 
God had done this to her. You know, some of you might, might be having some dilip, dilip, uh, dilibid, uh, a, a bad disease. Would you say that way? Debilitating. There we go. And, and you're like, you know, why, God, would you give this to me? Can I tell you what? I think the Lord gave this to this woman for 12 years because it was going to be a powerful faith. I like what it's one of my life verses that, I, that God gave me way back when I was 19 years old going through one of the most horrible trials of my whole life. And I took this verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though tried by fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what? Sometimes those trials, that the trial of your faith, the testing of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Boy, I'll tell you what. God put me through a fire way back when I was 19. The, the worst one I think I've ever been through. But I'll tell you what. The goal of that faith that came out has been bedrock for the rest of my life. Amen? And some of you are going through that, and you're like, why, God, would you do this? And this woman, I mean, talk, talk about the loneliness and, and the poverty. She had given everything she had and never got better but worse. And some of you, it's like, Lord, it's just going downhill and downhill and downhill. Sometimes I think that way about America. God, you know, we used to be a country that was blessed because I think we had churches and we believed in you and, and we, we, we were just a country of Christians and now it's going downhill. It's going to, why would you do this? Maybe it's so that we would have a greater faith. That the trial of our faith would be more precious than gold that perishes, though tried by fire. This woman was tried by fire. Can I tell you what? Her seeking, the answer, came out of great trial and affliction and, and loneliness. And I'll tell you what, God did this to her so she could find a great faith. And so I think a lot of times, I, I see what kind of faith will draw power to Jesus is that which is, is created through a lot of testing and trials, the trial of our faith by fire, that it may be found honor and glory and, and, uh, and, and to the, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so that, I think that's where, number one, it comes from a great uh, sense of faith being hammered out in private pain. Number two, I think it's a hearing faith. Look at verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. Look at that again, verse 27. She had heard. Number two, okay? What kind of faith is it that draws power to Jesus? It's a hearing faith. It's a hearing faith. Can I tell you what? She, she wasn't able to, to, to go out in the crowds and you know, Jesus had been going all over that territory there, doing miracles. And people saw it, and they saw it, and they saw it, and they were filled with wonder. And they're like, woo, you know what I mean? Wouldn't you like to see a miracle by Jesus? I would. Wouldn't you like Jesus? I remember John, you know, John says, you know, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen and heard, and our hands have handled of the word of life, you know. Wouldn't you have liked to have had that testimony? Yeah, I saw him, I heard him, I touched him. Oh, I love the, the account of the Last Supper when Peter's like, ask him who's going to, you know, Jesus said, when are you going to betray me? And, and what does 
jaundice as he lays his head back on the, the breast of Jesus because he was sitting there at the place of honor at the, the Last Supper and, and he lays his head back. Miss, he snuggled with Jesus. I mean, does it get any better than that? Like, be Jesus being real to you? He's like, oh, Jesus is going to betray you. You know, and I can just see, yeah, it's okay, it's not you, John. Yeah. But it was real. To, you know, but listen, she, she had never seen the miracles of Jesus. She wasn't in the crowd. She couldn't be in the crowd. And so even though this was hammered out in private and that, all that pain, there's also a sense in which she, she heard about what he had done. Maybe she had heard the fact that in, back in chapter 1 of Mark, remember a leper came and knelt down before him. Now lepers were unclean. And he, what did he do? He knelt down and said, if you, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And what did Jesus say? I am willing. And he touched him. Now you weren't supposed to touch an unclean person or you were unclean. But Jesus said, I, I'm willing. And he said, be thou clean. And he clean. And maybe she heard about that. She heard about it. She goes, Jesus touched an unclean person. Maybe he'll touch me. But can I get close to him? But I'll tell you what. It was a hearing faith. And listen, we have the same kind of faith. She heard about him. She says, I believe that's true. I believe those reports are true. When you read the scriptures, you believe the things are true. Yes, God, I believe you can do that. Amen? It's a hearing faith. I like the next verse after 1 Peter 1, 7, I just quoted to you, verse 8. It says, whom having not seen, talking about Jesus, whom having not seen, you love. And though you do not see him now, yet believing, amen? Yet believing, you rejoice with the joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Can I tell you what? When you have an inexpressible joy, Traverse City is going to see that. They're going to see that faith, and they're going to hunger for what you have. And God will draw people to this church. I need what they have. She had heard the reports about Jesus. He touched the unclean person. Uh, they, they tore the roof off the, you know that story, off the, 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 the house because they couldn't get through the crowd, and they let him down in. And she heard the reports that, you know, he didn't rebuke them, and and, uh, you, you know, may, maybe, maybe I can get to Jesus too. She believed in him. It was a hearing faith. Number three, it was a faith that came from hope. Verse 28, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. It was a faith that was, came from hope. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, what does it say? It says, for faith is a substance of what? things hope for. Can I tell you what? Christian hope, by the way, is so different than the world's hope. Like, maybe you might have a kind of hope that says, uh, uh, I hope the Lions win the Super Bowl. Okay? There's no surety in that at all. Okay? That's just kind of a wishful thinking. Listen, biblical hope is when God says something, you believe it, it's not there yet, but you're like, it's the substance of things hoped for. It's a hope that is sure. It's not here yet. But she's like, you know what? I really believe if I just but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I'm not there yet, but I believe it. I believe he has power to heal. I've heard about it. I believe in him, and I'm going for it. I have hope. 
It's a, it's a faith that was driven by hope. And I'll tell you what, we need hope. We need hope that God is going to do great things in our world. When Jesus said, I'm going to, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he wasn't just giving wishful thinking. He was giving us hope. This is going to happen. Amen? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. It's, it's, a, it's a faith that came from hope, a hope that is sure. And uh, you know what? I'll tell you, when, when I get up to preach in front of the young people at, at camp, I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me to, you know, I, I wonder who you're saving. Because God says he's going to save people. And you're like, yeah, but kids are so, they're brats nowadays. Eh, you know, no, but listen, Jesus saves brats, amen? And, and my hope is that he did it to me when I was a teenager. He can do it to them. I have hope, a hope that is sure that people are going to get saved. So she said within herself, you know, if I just touch his garments, I will be, be made well. I also, out of that same verse, verse 28, I see is that it's a faith that was awakened. Number four, it's a faith that was awakened. You know, do you ever see in the scriptures like people, uh, like the prodigal son? Remember, he's eating with the pigs, you know, and he's spent all his money and he's eating with pigs and, he, you know, and he's slopping the hogs. I don't know if you ever grew up on a farm, slopped hogs. You know, it's like, it's not a very pretty sight. And he was like, man, that stuff looks pretty good. I think I'll eat some of it. He was eating the corn husks, you know, that, that the pigs were eating. And he said, all of a sudden, he came to himself. He says, wait a minute. What am I eating with pigs for? I could at least go home. There was an awakening of faith. I could go home. And, and my father will let me be a, a, a servant. I could, and I could at least eat what the servants eat. If I can't come back as a son, I can go. He woke up. He's like, yes, this is true. I will go to my father. And she had this sense of awakening. Like, hey, wait a minute. You know, he's healed a leper. and he's, She had an awakening in her faith. If I can just go and touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. You have that kind of faith. Maybe, listen, maybe this church needs to be awakened to the, what God can do by faith. And he said, God, I want a kind of faith that draws power out of you to see the, the Traverse City change, to see my life change, to see my family change, to see the world change. God, I want that kind of power. I want that kind of a faith that draws power from you. And, th and part of that is having our faith awakened by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've been doing a lot of praying out of Ephesians chapter 3 lately, that one of, those Paul, one of Paul's prayers, and he says, he says, I'm praying that, the, that out of the glorious riches, out of the glorious riches of the Lord, that he might strengthen you with his strength in your inner being through the Holy Spirit so that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith. You know, we need to be strengthened to, be, to have faith, don't we? We're so faithless. The people on the, uh, that were walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, Jesus tells them all about these great things, and they're like, what? He said, why are you so slow of heart to believe? That's Ken Rudolph, too. You know, the things, the promises in God's Word and all the stuff that's there, and sometimes I'm just like, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know. And, but then there's an awakening, and you get this awakening when the Holy Spirit strengthens your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your heart by faith. And when he wrote that prayer for the Ephesians, it wasn't so that they could get saved and Christ dwell in their hearts. 
Christ was already in their hearts, but he said, I want them to dwell by faith in your heart. I want you to grow in faith. And may you be awakened by the strength of the Holy Spirit to believe that great things can happen by the Spirit of God. Amen? Uh, I'll never forget a couple years ago, I got a letter from the IRS. That's pretty scary. And they're like, you know, I, back in 1977 when I was ordained, I, I opted to get out of Social Security. It was not a very good idea, but anyways, I did it. Now that I'm retirement age, I wish I hadn't done it, but I did. And they gave me a form, supposedly, that said, you are now an official pastor that doesn't have to pay Social Security, and, and you, you've opted out. And so, you know, so here it is, you know, 50 years later, and they're like, okay, uh, Mr. Ordained Man, you know, where's your form? We want to see your form. I'm like, I, I just moved. I mean, I threw away half of my files that I'm like, I never use this. You know, I, who knows what I threw away? And I was like, I have no idea where that form is. And all of a sudden, do you ever get fearful when you're fighting the IRS? And I'm like, well, at least I got my ordination certificate. Now, again, I just moved. I'm like, now, where did I put that? And I couldn't find my ordination certificate. I can't even prove. And I said, man, even all the signatures on my ordination certificate are all by men that are all dead. I can't even look those guys up and say, could you vouch for me? You know, I had no witnesses, no certificate, of ordination certificate, no form that says, and I'm like, I'll tell you what, the fear started rising up. What if, what if the IRS comes after me? And they're like, you owe this many years of taxes back, and we're taking your home, and we're taking your car, and we're taking your wife, you know, we're taking, you know, we're taking everything, you know, and, and I'm like, uh, uh, uh. and I'm telling you what, I'm walking around, I'm scared, I'm feeble, I'm like, uh, I'm unbelieving, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit woke me up. He said, now stop it. I'm like, what? He goes, am I your father? I'm like, yeah, God, you're my father. I'm like, all right. Do I take care of my kids? Well, the Bible says you do. Well, do I? Yes. Wake up. It's not you against the IRS. It's you and me against the IRS. I was like, that's right. Come on. Come get the IRS. Come on, IRS. Come and get me. But you got to go with, you got to fight God too. Because I know I had the form at one time. You know, and, I, and I know I was ordained. And I, you know, come on. I'm ready for the fight. I'm not afraid. And, and if they take my house, God gave me the house in the first place. I'll, he'll give me another one. Amen. Yeah. Or maybe he won't. But anyways, <laughs> if that's what I have to, listen. All of a sudden, a peace came over me, an awakening. God is real. God is real. Yes, he will do this. He will take care of me. He is my defender, and I do not have to be afraid. I never got another form from the IRS. I just let them go. You know. So I haven't heard from them since, but I'll tell you what. But I'll tell you, I still have peace to this day. There was an awakening. God is real. He's my father. He'll fight for me. Will he fight for you? Amen? I'll tell you what, some of us, we walk around in unbelief, and this lady, after 12 years of pain and torture and loneliness and 
worrying and I'm poor and I have nothing. And all of a sudden she heard about Jesus. She says, I think it's true. I think it's true. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, God woke her up. It says when the, the, the prodigal son, when he came to himself, whoa, yes, of course, yes, this is true. And we need to have that. Listen, God wants to use East Bay Calvary. Amen? Well, maybe. I don't know. Everybody's against us nowadays, you know. Nobody wants to go to church. No, listen, people aren't going to just drive into church and say, I've been waiting to come here. You know, They don't do that. It takes faith. It's a, God, I believe that you said that by, by, the, by means of the church, you were going to show the, 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 the authorities in high places. You were going to show them about the gospel. Listen, God wants to damage the devil, and he wants to use the church. By means of the church, it says there in Ephesians chapter 3. And so let me tell you, we need to have an awakening and say, Holy Spirit, wake me up. Give me a moment like this. Sometimes I pray, I'm like, God, just like the prodigal son, and like the woman with the issue of blood, back there in the Matthew account, it says, she said to herself. And sometimes we need to have the Holy Spirit just wake us up. Psalm 42, it says, oh, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Why do you go mourning all the day long? Hope thou in God. Talk to yourself. Let that Holy Spirit awakening happen within you. And go forth and do great things for God. Touch the hem of his garment. Well, I think also she had, she had a faith that was born out of knowing the word of God. In Malachi chapter 4, it talks about, it says that there's talking about the, the coming Messiah in Malachi 4, the very last chapter of the Old Testament. It says there is healing in his wings. And it says in the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children. You know, there's going to be this awakening. And maybe she read that scripture and she goes, there's healing in the, in the Messiah. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. There's healing in his wings, in the wings of his garment. I'm going to reach out and touch him because when she touched him and drew power, was say, he turned to her. He turned about. And he said, who touched me? Who touched me? Now, first she was a little afraid. Let's look at verse 32. And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Wow, I love this. In tenderness, he turns. Now, I think she was kind of afraid he's going to be mad. Who draw power out of me? You know, no, he was, he was like, Whoa! Can you imagine he's walking all this crowd around him, you know, and they're all, they, listen, the rest of them, they're all along for the ride. Yay, 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 Jairus, we're going to see you, daughter. Yay, yay. And all of a sudden he goes, Arr! who touched me? They're like, <laughs> disciples, what? Who touched you? Look at all this. No, there's somebody special. There's somebody who has a great faith. Oh, God, let it be me. Let it be me who believes that you are the healer. You are the, the almighty God. You are the one that touches the unclean. 
and I believe you have grace. The law says, don't come near me. Don't go through the crowd. But she had a faith that believed in grace and mercy, and she broke through the law to the grace of God. She touched this garment, and it made him stop and turn around. and said, who touched me? Who has this kind of faith? I want to meet her. Oh, the great, do you have faith that God has grace and mercy for a wicked world that we live in, for a wicked you, for a wicked you, when you have not served him like you should, you've not prayed like you should, you've not followed him, and you're like, God, I believe I can break through the law that condemns me. The law says, stay away, you're unclean. The law would tell the world that God is mean and cruel and no, he's a gracious God. She believed that. There's healing in his wings, and the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children. And by faith, she reached out in grace and mercy and touched the hem of his garment. And it was true. He is a gracious God, for he turned, not in anger. He's like, I want to meet this person. <laughs> i got to meet this person who drew power out of me. Where is she? Now, she was afraid. She's like, oh, no. Maybe she was afraid the crowd was going to say, not her. We know her. Some of you, you've been shamed by, the, by your culture. You've been shamed by your family. You've been shamed by your own sin. And some of you are like, you're, you're afraid to look Jesus in the face. But, but she finally ran up and she knelt down and she told him the whole truth, the confession. Well, I just believe this and I believe this and I, and I believed you could heal me if I touched the hem of your garment. And it's true. And he told him the whole truth. And in his tenderness, he's like, oh, daughter. Oh, daughter, your faith has healed you. Well, there's another wonderful thing about this kind of a faith. It's a faith that demands testimony. Number six, the faith that demands testimony. What did he say? He said, who touched me? And he looked around and, and uh, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He's like, I want to know who touched me. I want you to testify. And she came and she told him the whole truth. And the whole crowd heard. And guess what happens a little bit later? Turn to chapter 6, if you would. Turn to chapter 6. There was a, a testimony that went out from this lady. Verse 56 of Mark chapter 6. And, where, and wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid... They laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Oh, people, it's a faith that demands testimony. And when you have the kind of faith that draws power to Jesus, you can't help but let the whole world know. And the whole world, as she testified before that crowd, the news spread. You know what? If, if you just touch the hem of his garment, you'll be made well. And that testimony spread. And many, and many who touched the hem of his garment were made well. Oh, may our testimony, may the testimony of East Bay Calvary be such that people will hear about what Jesus is doing. That this person is touched, and that person, 
And yeah, you've been saved for many years, but maybe there, there's not a testimony of the grace and the power of God. And Jesus, he, he's saying, please, oh, believe in me. Oh, I, I touch the unclean. I heal those. Come in faith. Oh, you need a great faith. And, and, and don't let the law turn you back. Come to me. Oh, I know you've, it's been a long time since you've had a precious time of prayer. I know it's been a long time since you've ever talked to anybody about Jesus because maybe there's something dead in your heart. But may Jesus waken you this morning, wake you up to a faith. If I just but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. If I just go to him, though the crowd would say, stay away, though my own unbelieving heart would say, stay away, you're not worthy, come to him this morning. Say, God, use me. Wake me up. May I shake myself as, as, as the prodigal son and say, I'll just go and be a servant. But may you be woken up this morning to go and through the grace and the mercy of God and touch the hem of his garment. May you plead with him, oh God, I want to be the kind of believer that draws power out of you. That would turn you to me, the heart of the Father to his children. And say, daughter, son, your faith has made you whole. And your testimony will be known worldwide. And many will touch the hem of his garment. And you'll be made well. Amen. Oh, may God use you. May he wake you as a church. And say, God, we're going to need your power to reach this city, to reach my heart, to reach my family. Oh, God, please help me to be like that woman, to, to, to break through the crowd of the law and come to the grace of the hem of your garment. Let's pray, Father. Father, we have been so pedestrian in our, in our faith. We're just like the crowd just walking around looking for the show, just ready to watch never being in the middle of it. Father, I want to be in the middle. I want to be down there. By the hem of your garment. Father, in all of our loneliness, we need you to turn to us and tenderly identify us as your daughter, your son. Daughter, oh how tenderly. She was now the daughter of the Son of God. Oh Father, may we be like her. May we have a great that the nations may be healed. Father, not just this city, 
of the nations. Awake us, I pray, that we would go forth and be a testimony to the world of your power. Father, use this church.